0: The Frequency 49 Show is brought to you by the Niner Empire GB.
1: Welcome to the Frequency 49 Show. I'm Cat Victorino and with me today is Simon Holtzworth. Hello, Simon.
0: Hi, Cat. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? Uh,
0: Awesome. Yeah, good, thank you. Really good.
1: <laughs> Considering that we're following probably the most depressing team in the league right now.
0: <laughs> Depends which side of the ball you stand on, I guess.
1: This is true, and we're going to get into that. Um, a little bit of uh, some of the stats from last week's game. Of course, the 49ers were in Tampa Bay last week and lost to the Buccaneers 27-9. to 9. Uh, Nick Mullins, 8 for 32 with 221 yards one touchdown but again those, those mistakes, the two interceptions and one fumble uh, Breda had a, another 100 yard rushing day for 106 yards with 14 carries and then Wilson shows up and had 7 carries for 33 yards uh, Pettis had 4 catches for 77 yards and the only touchdown that the Niners made, missed extra point did not help us there so what did you see in the game last week? that you want to talk about
0: much of the same i mean obviously nick nick i think obviously with what happened in the game versus the raiders um some people were labeling nick mullins as a, as the new messiah i guess and um, i think we're kind of seeing where he is in terms of his progression he's doing okay he's doing no better or worse than than um cj bethard was doing um Focusing on the plus points, Matt Breeder, again, um, consecutive 100-yard rushing games, the first running back to do that since Frank Gore back in 2014, so he's keeping good um, company there, and he's just, the scheme fits him, and I'm so impressed with his running both out wides, but I'm also impressed with how tough he is running downhill as well, I didn't expect that from him with him being a lighter-bodied back, so there are positives out there, Cat, I mean, we we we, and we don't have to look that hard for them, really.
1: There are. And considering where we're looking at in terms of the position players, um, Mark Lyon, I had done my, my weekly, you know, post your questions here so that we can have something to talk about in our Facebook group. And Mark Lyon had made a separate post that was just too beautiful for words because I know everyone's frustrated. I know we hate losing and we've been losing for far too long. But, and you had said, you had made a really good question too. Um, as your question was, as a fan base, are we entitled to push the panic button or should we be more level-headed about the situation? And I think Mark's post is spot on the perfect answer to your question. Yeah. Too many people can't see the wood for the trees and in the main, the people spouting today are the people who proclaim Mullins the Messiah three weeks or so ago. Some people were even seriously advocating trading Garoppolo to start Mullins. And that is also an interesting conversation. The reality is that he is wildly inaccurate when under pressure, like he was yesterday. And he also struggles with downfield throws and passes that are outside the hash marks. But he also throws these stats out here, which just, He's right. You look at our starting offensive 11. How are we expected to win with this? We're on our third string quarterback, second string running back. Our offensive line is all starters. We have our second string tight end there, our third string wide receiver, and our fourth string wide receiver out there. So really, it's hard to be efficient when you're way down the depth chart and you figure these guys did not get the reps that the veterans and the first stringers normally get. So they probably aren't as prepared for game day as the first and second stringers would be
0: no because they're not going to have had the practice snaps and they're not going to be as in terms of wide receivers running routes they're not going to be as sharp obviously the the chemistry between a QB and a receiver is built up over time it doesn't happen overnight and it's interesting that we we mentioned the running game being one of our strong points and yet that's where we've seen the least amount of um, injuries and and replacements and where they are, they are our first string. I mean, our, our offensive line in terms of the run game looks fantastic. I mean, there are still not issues, but there there is improvements against the pass rush. But, it, you know, all in all, the offensive line has been doing a sterling job. And, and, and Mark's post was, as you say, absolutely spot on in terms of, you know, we perhaps just need to take a little bit of a step back, have a look at exactly what the problems are and exactly why we might be playing this badly and you know the the fact that we're down to third and fourth and fifth string players in key skill positions would would obviously give a a, a good reasoning behind
1: that Mm-hmm. he goes on in his post to go the wrong questions are being asked and the wrong things are being focused on the issues aren't offensive for me they're defensive and draft related how do we again not force a single turnover from a team with a 20 with a minus 23 turnover differential in over 11 games that's an awesome point absolutely you know i mean three turnovers in our game in the game last week. And we couldn't get a single one from them, and they are worse off on turnovers than we are, so he's got the absolute right track here um and for me, I think defense has been my issue all year, but as I have said in the past, you know you can't expect to build a team overnight
0: no absolutely and and I agree with everything that matt put and I actually commented on the post and without kind of jumping to the end of his post mentioned that you know for me de- the, the turnovers on, on defense start and start with the pass rush or with a defensive rush um you put pressure on the quarterback it makes the quarterback less accurate it makes him get the ball out quicker than he perhaps wants to it, it, therefore by proxy more interceptions also you you, you get pressure on the QB, you get through the line more, you hit the running back sooner, you create more fumbles. And I put a post about Robert Salah, people are calling for his head, um, but we're playing a 4-3 scheme, and the the guys that we've drafted in, in the draft in recent times on the defensive line are all 3-4 guys, so there's got to be either a period of transition there, or we need to look at drafting players to fit Salah's scheme.
1: Exactly. We either need to let that happen and be patient, or or go back to our old ways of let's fire up the whole coaching staff and start anew in which case we're stuck in this loop of rebuilding every year and that's not how you win games and you're not going to win fans you're going to lose the fan base with that
0: constant transition you're chasing nothing aren't you because you're never set on something that you're chasing it's always changing
1: it's like going for a goal without actually defining what the goal is.
0: Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Mark continues, why do we persist playing soft coverage and not appearing to make any in-game adjustments? The world and his dog could see that the Bucks were constantly looking at throws for 8 to 12 yards in front of our linebackers, throws that were there for them all game.
0: Yeah, totally. Again, totally agree. I don't know. And I, again, I kind of touched on that in, in, in my post that, you know, we we, we don't blitz a lot we do play soft coverage and, and and whether it's that Salah doesn't have trust in his defensive backs um, so he wants the linebackers to sit and not bring them on pressure uh, I guess restrict the field I mean if we're playing softer there are going to be um, more opportunities underneath but we're not going to give that sort of big play up which we saw against I think it was the Cardinals wasn't it where we scored the first TD and then their first play from scrimmage they, they went up 80 yards or something so whether it's kind of a damage limitation or uh, you know he's, he's trying to build pressure on the offense by not allowing them that quick score I don't I don't really know but again it's it's something that we need to stick with and it's something that we need to trust in the guys I'm sure Shanahan and Lynch know Robert Salah and obviously they will have had conversations in the boardroom and in the you know in the in the practice rooms and the video rooms to say look what the hell's going on and they have a plan you know it's we keep saying brick by brick and I know a few people are a little bit miffed at keep hearing that and perhaps losing faith in it but it's their mantra and we're kind of only t- i don't even think we can call this year two because of the injuries that have happened we i think we just have to write this year off and start afresh next season and then call that year two because everything they've put in place has been undone really by injuries
1: yeah that that has been the biggest sticking point especially offensively for us You know, we're so far down the depth chart. There's just no way that we can, you know, work the scheme that Shanahan wants to work without those key players on the field. So I I agree with you. We we, This, you know, we, when Jimmy Garoppolo went down, we all kind of started talking. Yeah, I think this is a write-off and, and really it is at this point. Um. So looking at our draft class, this is still from Mark's post that he, Mark is the data expert and I just admire him for this because it, 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 It's like nails on a chalkboard for me trying to grab stats together. But the fact that he loves doing this, I just want to take full advantage of it. Uh, He looked at our 2017 draft class. So 2017, we drafted Thomas, Foster, Witherspoon, Beathard, Joe Williams, Kittle, Taylor, DJ Jones, Peta, and Colbert. And what are we getting from these players? We've hit nicely on, I would say, Kittle for sure. DJ Jones is pretty impressive. You know. Uh Witherspoon, hm Foster, well, you know, he's not our problem anymore. You're welcome, Redskins. Have fun with that. Um Thomas, you know, Solomon has potential. I just don't know if it's gonna ever come out. Um you know, well, he's, but, that, of,
0: he's that four three he's that three four guy in a four three scheme though, isn't he, Solomon Thomas? Yeah. Um which, you know, kind of begs the question, well, why was he drafted and perhaps they thought he may have been more versatile or maybe it just needs more time to to, to fit into that. I mean, there's all sorts of things associated with changing in a, a defensive scheme. There's body shape and explosive um, dynamics and things like that that you have to learn if you're playing on a three front that you don't necessarily have to do on a four front. Um so yeah I agree with you completely on Kittle. Trent Taylor for me the jury's still out. I think he's a decent and he can be a decent third down guy. He's had some pretty bad drops. Um I thought he had a he had a really bad decision that went against him. I think it was a pick, wasn't it? They got a, a penalty was called on in one of the first yes. games and he's he's kind of not been the same since. It seems to so have <laughs> dramatically affected him. But and and Colbert played really well back end of last season but again he's maybe suffering second season syndrome which some some players do do and they, then they come back you know it's all is not lost I just think it's very kind of people can be very dramatic in just throwing the towel in I think
1: Yeah and it's I, while it's understandable and those feelings of frustration and wanting to give up are totally valid you know where i mean we, we spent so long being a world-class organization and now we're the laughingstock of the league you know you, you understand where that's coming from but you, you also i get so frustrated with this constant you know let's get rid of this person let's get rid of that person get you know throw them to the fire how are they supposed to build anything if they don't get that time to build it
0: yeah, and and I think they will get the time. I, I, I've certainly seen no evidence of any panic internally, or I mean, you know, normally the York, the Yorks are quite vocal, but they're they're even being pretty, pretty quiet. So that's probably a, a, a sign of a good thing. You know that they're perhaps letting them get on with it. And you know, the guys when they come out, I mean, I've been listening to Matt Maiorca's podcast quite a lot recently, and they had John Lynch on there, and he spoke very very well. And you know, they, he totally believes in the process and. You know, we've we've as fans, we've got to... they they know they know football better than you and I or exactly. even even the biggest of of fans, you know. So I guess we've got to put our trust in them.
1: Well, I mean, they've they've played the game, you know, so they know what it takes, and they you know they know these schemes. And I think kudos to the Yorks. I can't believe I'm saying this, but kudos to the Yorks for staying out of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's what they need. To, that's exactly what they need to do. I mean. We all saw what happened when they didn't, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't want to go back there. <laughs> absolutely not, absolutely not. But again, just just touching on 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 Lynch and Shanahan, when we talk about Salah, and I mean, you know, it, it, Salah doesn't have to look very far to go to somebody for advice. And John Lynch, who's a a, def- a defensive guy, he played in one of the, one of the best defenses there's been in the NFL, and again, he's a very studious, very academic bloke. I'm sure that. You know, Robert Seller can lean on him for a little bit of advice, and I'm sure John Lynch would only be too happy to, to oblige. You know, so we're in good hands. I, I think. I just think it needs time.
1: I think so too. And it's it's hard to be patient, but I, really, we're all faithful here. Let's, let's hold on and, and let the process work and see what happens. You know, basically get through the season and see what happens in the offseason. You know, the draft starts, what, the beginning of February? Or not the draft, the free agency starts the beginning of February. You know, I'm sure there will be prospects out there. And hopefully they are going to address all the defensive issues that we have.
0: Yeah, as I see us looking at, uh, is it Bosa? The guy who's who, I see. His, I see us looking at him. If we've got the first, if we get the first pick in the draft, um, I also see us being pretty active on free agency.
1: Is he injured though? I I thought Bosa had gotten injured, blew a knee or something. I don't know. I I read something somewhere, and there was someone that that blew a knee on. He was a defensive.
0: Oh really? Yeah, I, I, defensive got a little bit out of touch on the college game I know. BT, bt sports that charging the earth i'm trying for to get into it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah, i mean I, I, either way i mean i see i definitely see us being more active in free agency i know there was some people like khalil mack um you know came up in free agency but the cost i mean i know he's made a difference to that bears defense but is if he's a scheme fit then that makes more sense perhaps he's not a scheme fit for us um and that's the reason why we didn't want to throw two first rounders at him. Um there will be good players, good solid players on the D line available and I think we'll we'll probably be more active this time round than we were last time and perhaps use the, you know, the the second, third and fourth round draft picks on, you know skilled players. Um, I still think we're dramatically lacking in, in, in skill players, even with injuries, certainly at wide receiver.
1: I, I tend to agree there. Um only because we do need the depth that of of talent um but my my hope and my goal and i'll be honest this is probably the stupidest thing i could ever say but if we do get that first pick of the draft next year i really hope that we leverage that to additional later round picks so that we can get some solid defense you know shore up that defense and get us some pressure because for me the biggest glaring issue I have is we are never pressuring the quarterback, the opposing quarterback. So,
0: and we've got good players in there. DeForest Buckner is a good player, but he can't do it all on all on his own if he's not getting any support, Adley, at all. I mean, I was I was interested to see Dakota Watson. He came in, didn't he, um, back off IR, and and he looks a decent a decent player off the edge. So maybe there are guys there that we're still waiting to hit full fitness and still waiting to you know for them to fit in the scheme and maybe things aren't quite as bad and I guess getting Jimmy G and and uh, Jet McKinnon back for next season will be like having two new players on the offense as well won't it
1: and can you imagine Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breda together we're gonna have an awesome run game if those two can play off each other Ah.
0: Absolutely, and 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 we've seen we saw how it worked with it with Shanahan in Atlanta, didn't we? With um, Devonte Freeman and and is it Tevin Coleman? The the dual threat, both similar-ish guys, but they've both got characteristics that kind of made players designed for them. um And I think that's what Shanahan's offense is all about: diversity and and getting people getting the defense moved around and you know, really with one running back we struggled and it's credit to Breda for his toughness and I guess Shanahan's play calling that he's had the productivity that he's had this season.
1: Yeah, so we've actually answered or I answered uh, Steve Richardson's question about the top draft pick. Um, that's my preference. Um, my other question that has been floating around the group for a couple weeks now, uh, with in regards to Shanahan and the play calling, should he
0: be a head coach? Uh, absolutely. We've given isn't him... We, yeah, we've given him his chance. And, you know, again, it's that... If we're giving everybody else time, we have to give... We have to give Shanahan... I keep calling him Mike. That's his dad. I know. Okay. <laughs> that's dad. <laughs> and do you know what makes it worse? My son's called Kyle. That's horrendous, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's uh, yeah, awful. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, we need to give Kyle more time. I think, I think he's... He's probably feeling the pressure of doing both roles, but only because of the injuries and everything, all the other pressures that have kind of built up on him and the expectation, I guess. You know, let's judge him when, you know, we've got a full complement of players and when we've had a full proper season where we can go, do you know what? We expected more or we got more than we expected from the Niners based on everything that we wanted in terms of. Shanahan scheme in terms of the players that fit in and all that kind of stuff you know you can't you can't glitter a turd as they say you know you <laughs> you
1: that's a great saying yeah. I was going to say throw the baby out with yeah. the bathwater, but
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you, you can only work with what you've got can't you you know yeah. and if it's all play, calling plays is all about calling plays for the right players for them to have the maximum impact it's pointless calling different plays if they don't have faith in the guys to carry them out <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Um, I am always one for giving people time to learn their role and learn their job. Um, And I think that's part of the struggle he's having is that, you know, he doesn't know how to be a head coach who's also the play caller. So he's trying to find his spot as well. So I think, you know, having him demoted to an offensive coordinator and bringing in another head coach is just going to do the exact same thing that we've done the last four years where we are, you know, we've got this um, rotation of coaching staff coming through and really we need to stop that, settle down, let the head coach and the general manager build their team and build it over time. And I'm beating the dead horse, I know. <laughs>
0: no, I agree I agree with you entirely. And similarly, similarly, if we said, well, you know, Kyle, stop calling the plays and just be the head coach and we'll get an offensive coordinator in, we're completely moving away from the reason why we got the guy in the first place.
1: Right, we'd be back, be back to square one because then we would have to rebuild because that guy's scheme isn't necessarily going to be Kyle's scheme.
0: And Kyle's greatest strength. is he's, he's, he's one of the best offensive minds in the league.
1: Yeah. Now, another question that we've bandied around, and I kind of glossed over it earlier, in terms of our quarterback situation, you know, okay, so Mullins looks all right. He's not great. He needs time. You know, Bethard obviously still needs some work. And to me, Garoppolo is still an unknown quantity, only because, yes, we had those lovely start wins from him last year, um, and this year he only got us the one win. The other question going around is in regards to our quarterback situation, because Mullins is looking pretty good. I mean, he obviously has some confidence issues and, you know, still needs a bit of work. Um, Bethard, yeah, he needs quite a bit more work, I think. I think he's a little more skittish in the pocket than Mullins is. Um, but then Garoppolo is still for me, kind of an unknown quantity, even though I'm absolutely madly, passionately in love with him. Um, (laughs) you know, he, he got us those wins last year. He got us one win earlier this year, but in the losses, even he didn't look that great. So I really feel like we still need to see what that you know, the sample size is too small. We still need to see what he can really do as, as a quarterback, but with the talent that Mullins has, the question was raised earlier, should we trade Garoppolo for additional picks?
0: No, no. I I, I still think with Jimmy G, um, I mean, obviously when he played in, in New England, he was Brady's number two, and he was in a scheme there, which is the archetypal get the players in to fit the scheme in, in New England, and that's why they're a dynasty, and that's why they kind of keep Making trips to the playoffs is that they can turn over players, but the scheme fits, and they only sign people who fit the scheme. Um, I mean, they're going to struggle when Brady goes, but Garoppolo will have known that scheme inside out, being Tom Brady's backup for three or four years. So when he jumped, when he, when he got the opportunity to play instead of Brady, he was ready. He knew the scheme. The players around him knew the scheme, and that's why he shone. Similarly, when he came, when it I mean, when he came to us, it was a he didn't know the scheme and he it was only a very limited playbook um but at that time he didn't have many injuries in and around him and then you get to this season where we've kind of gone right he knows the full playbook but then the biggest perhaps the biggest weapon is taken away from him before the season starts in in Jared mckinnon who i'm guessing the majority of the offense will have been based around i mean he would have probably been looking at maybe a thousand yards rushing and eight eight nine hundred yards in the passing game um on the back of kyle's uh scheme and then you look further down with the wide receivers, and Marquise Goodwin's been out injured, and and uh, Pierre Garcon was out, and and then obviously, so obviously, it's going to be tough for a QB that's relatively new into a scheme to put up big numbers. And then, I, and I also think that the O line weren't have grown into the season. I don't think they started off very well. I think they're getting better, and I think Nick Mullins has um, been the beneficiary of that. Um, but I would agree with you entirely in when you say that I think Nick Mullins, for somebody who's a third-string QB and perhaps won't have had the same amount of practice snaps as CJ Beathard, looks a little bit more comfortable than what CJ does. Mm-hmm. So that would put him above CJ. I mean, I mean CJ Bethard is tough as teak, but I agree, with, skittish is exactly the right word. He looks like a cat on a hot tin roof when the pocket starts to collapse, and he doesn't really have that presence. Which I is think too bad I see... yeah, I agree. <laughs> <You know. laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. But but I see more in Nick Mullins than what I do. C.J. Bethard, unfortunately.
1: Do you think C.J. will be with us next year, or do you think he'll be traded?
0: I think they'll probably keep all three for yeah. next for next year, especially particularly with Jimmy G coming off a a big a big injury. I think it it makes sense to keep t- keep two backups around just in case.
1: Well, I am definitely encouraged by the fact that Jimmy G is back on the sidelines without crutches, you know, cheering the team on. So he's obviously rehabbing well,
0: yeah, absolutely. And, it'd be, and like I said, it would be like getting a new player back for for next season because he's you know he will have been rehabbing. He'll also spent more time in the film room. He'll be seeing where the offense is going in terms of mistakes that are being made, and if he's on the on the sideline, he can pick things up. And you know, same with Jerick McKinnon. I think that again, I'm I'm I think when we get to when we get to the postseason, the excitement will start building again, like it did this season. I think it's just when you're in and around it, and you're getting the losses and the mistakes are happening, it's tough. It's really tough to kind of look subjectively at things.
1: And it's hard to to remain faithful during these times, but you have to. We've done it for how long now? (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, it definitely feels like we're having the same conversations we've had the last few years, but I, I definitely feel a lot more hopeful.
0: Yeah, me too, without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Well, moving on, we are heading to Seattle, Washington, this weekend to take on the dreaded Seattle Seahawks. Um. On paper, these teams are pretty evenly matched, Simon. Um, total yards, the Niners have 355.2 per game. The Seahawks have 355.3 per game. Passing yards, 220.3 for San Francisco, 208.2 for Seattle. Rushing yards, 134.9 for San Francisco, 147.1 for Seattle. Both teams are averaging 5.6 yards per, per play. <sighs> you know they they look like they're very similar even on defense but then you look at their standings and you know the Seahawks have won six games this year and they obviously know how to close out games whereas we don't
0: and they're in I think I think quite a few analysts and and people have said that we need to learn to finish better we tend to mean obviously last week was a bit of an anomaly but we tend to be in the games right until the end we've not allowed a lot of garbage time um I mean, if you were to just, if this was the first game of the season and you'd seen these stats, it would be an absolute nailed on golden nail on pick, wouldn't it? For <laughs> it <target>. would. <laughs> <laughs> you but know what? I,
1: maybe I'll do that this this week. <laughs> well,
0: maybe, maybe I will as well. I need to do something. Um, I but you. yeah, it, it's it, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? I mean, for me, I still think that we're in with a real good chance on, on Sunday. I really do. Yeah. Um, and the stats kind of back that up. And I think that, you know, it, it, we've we've conceded quite a few turnovers recently. I think it's four in the last two games on tipped balls, which can which can which can go anywhere, can't they? You know, it's it just we're just not getting the rub of the green, and the penalties have started to creep back in a little bit. I guess, but on the whole, that's been much improved. But you know, if we turn up on Sunday, those tip balls don't go go for us instead of against us, and you know we can keep the discipline up, then you know we can we can go into Seattle and win without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Well, even on defense, on paper, we're so evenly matched. Third down efficiency, the Niners have 37%. Seattle has 38%. Yards allowed, San Francisco has 350.4. Seattle has 359.7. So that kind of works in our favor. (laughs) Points allowed, San Francisco has 26.6. Seattle has 22.1. So a little work needed there. And then the allowed third down efficiency, San Francisco 39%, Seattle 36%. So, I mean, really, very. we could very much win this game.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's 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 on us, and it's on us to win, and it's on us to lose. And, you know, as, at this stage, as long as we remain competitive and Breda keeps doing what he's doing and Kittle keeps doing what he's doing, I don't really expect to win any game. But certainly this one is, isn't beyond the realms of possibility at all.
1: It would be nice to remain in the game. You know, it it would be nice to, you know, have another game where we had the lead and not lose it, but, you know, we'll get there, right?
0: (laughs) And we're doing all this, like we've said, with third-string tight ends, fourth and fifth-string, you know, wide receivers. You know, really, the future promises a lot, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. It's not all doom and gloom, even though the record is not pretty. So, what do you think in terms of predictions for this game? Are you thinking, Ty?
0: No, because I just don't think. I think one way or the other, we're either going to win it or lose it. I'm going to go, I, do you know what? I'm going to go 49ers, and I'm going to go 23-20.
1: Wow. Okay. okay, all right. Well, I, um, I need to do something in the pick six, so I'm going to take Seattle. And I am going to take Seattle. I'm going to take them. I'll take them by a field goal, though. So that's where I'm going to go. Do you want to go over the pick six for us?
0: Yeah, I can do that. So um, the pick six this week, if you're listening to us for the first time, the pick six is a competition that we run via our Facebook group um, where we pick six games. And all you have to do is pick the winner of each game and also get the correct score for the for the 49ers which has been pretty difficult recently um, so this week there were no pick sixes this week um, however Mark Cant, Carlos Cordova Alex Gill Ross Irwin and Neil Jepson all picked the most correct with four um, I only got one this week which is hideous
1: <laughs> I got two <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jackson, Jacksonville and San Francisco let me down uh, yes yeah, I'm not putting any fingers at anybody there cat asshole <laughs> Um <laughs> So so season um season to date, Jimmy Brewster is still in the lead with, with forty nine, Mark Nowley with forty seven, Mark Lyon, Ross Irwin and Neil Jepson all have forty five. So I think we've we've got four weeks left to play, um it's all left to play for
1: and uh we will be doing something for the postseason so keep your eye on the group that's niner empire gb on facebook and we'll continue this on into the postseason with regardless of whether or not the niner well we know the niners won't be there but you know since we're not going to be there we're going to keep playing just to have fun
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely there's no christmas miracle here i don't
1: (laughs) No, and i do have a message from the admin of the pick six (laughs) remember that 6 p.m uk time is cut off no exceptions someone tried to be naughty this week and got their wrist slapped no naming or shaming but you know who you are deepak (laughs)
0: naughty
1: Naughty boy so we are going to skip the two minute drill since there's only the two of us uh anything else you want to talk about today simon
0: um nothing really just of, a, of just to reiterate what we, we started at the top of the show really where we need to perhaps keep the faith remain faithful look at the positives try and take an analytical view as opposed to an emotional view and uh, we will get there but stay strong guys
1: we will. It, it'll come back around. So that's our show for this week. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Mark Lyon, Mark Kant, Andrew Mitchell, Neil Jepsen, Deepak Gohill, Paul McDonald, James Little, Rob Newell, Simon Holdsworth, Nathaniel James, Jason Argo, and Graham Ross for all the work they do on the group and on the show. Apologies if I missed anyone. If you would like to get involved in the show, just let us know. You can message any of the admins in the Niner Empire GB group on Facebook. We're always looking for members to appear on the show or to just contribute content. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB and on Facebook. Search for the group Niner Empire GB. Don't forget to check out the blog, which is available on your favorite podcast app. You can also email us at Frequency49show at gmail.com. It's time to say goodbye, Simon.
0: Goodbye, Simon. (laughs) goodbye cat on behalf
1: of simon holdsworth i'm cat victorino we'll be back next week thanks for listening goodbye for now